0: Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. My dad is here uh, this morning, and so I have to be careful about all the things I'm going to say, but... Um... So, yeah, some advice that I have picked up along the way. This one didn't come from dad, but I don't know what kind of things you shared. I've been chatting with some of you over the weeks kind of leading up to today uh, in the series on Proverbs, you know, what are some things, you know, people have picked up and some things I've heard, you know, were things like nothing good happens after midnight, right? Like, um, I remember hearing that one as a as a, as a young man. Uh, f- from dad uh, and mom, uh, both, I, re- I remember kind of as a young kid being told, like, this is, uh, if you can correct me if I get it wrong, but like if I if you pay attention in class, Matt, you won't have to work as hard at home, right? And that has stuck with me. It served me well in the my sort of academic uh, educational pursuits in in life. If you pay attention in class, but a proverbial wisdom, you won't have to work as hard at home, which I really appreciated. I left more time for Batman and uh, the animated series and Oreos. So right. Uh, also, more recently in my adult life, Dad, uh, this one is is uh, you know. I don't know where you got it from, but I associate it with you. Uh, you know, that, that moment, uh, perhaps you have some tension at work, a bit of conflict, and uh, you draft that email to really let that person know how you feel. Uh, in that moment, uh, I remember, again, Dad, uh, hearing it from you, man, just, uh, just pause, give it a minute, don't hit the send button, right? Which is how it has like, lived on in my life, don't hit the send button, right? Uh, I think some proverbial wisdom there. I wanted to ask my girls, uh, hey, you know, does daddy have any wisdom for you guys? And, uh, uh I didn't, I didn't ask them. I was afraid they'd say something like, you know, always remember cinnamon rolls are a main food group. And, uh yeah, well, yesterday one of them asked uh, us, well, why, am I going to, do, do I eat a lot of candy like daddy or am I going to eat a lot of candy like daddy? So I, you know, just want to be careful there. But I, I think all of this has relevance aside from maybe hopefully, you know, you're passing on some wisdom to your neighbor uh, for the reading that we have this morning. If we could just put the first kind of stanza up there. Um, uh, Because in Proverbs, so we're in a series on Proverbs, Proverbs for Life, and over the summer, hopefully going to look at some practical ways it speaks into sort of the nuances of your life and mine. But our reading this morning, I think, pulls us into that kind of conversation. I mean, it's kind of bookended with that that kind of language, which we've seen it already, and it'll come up again. But my son, my child, right? Like a father uh, to to his child, literally here, like, my, my son, don't forget is how it begins and then it finishes right this stanza finishes my son don't despise pulls us into this moment of of you know you, you can see it's kind of a wise father having learned perhaps from his own failures and mistakes where much of his uh, Proverbs perhaps will be coming from, uh, speaking and wanting to pass on this wisdom uh, to his own son. There'll be other moments in Proverbs where it'll be multi-generational. The, the one speaking will pull his son and child forward and will reference uh, kind of the tradition of his father before him. And, and so you, you see this kind of being pulled into this conversation of wisdom kind of being handed forward. And we've made the point already, and would encourage you again to just remember uh, again that this is, we're still in the introductory material of Proverbs. That the, the whole first nine chapters are a series of, kind of thematic poems that, that are wooing us, if you will, sending you flowers, right? Uh, showing a bit of kindness to kind of woo you into listening to wisdom, uh, in, 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 encouraging us to consider, I mean, wisdom has something to say. To your life? Will you, will you step into this conversation? And this, this stanza, perhaps a really famous one that you are familiar with, uh, perhaps a, a verse that many of you have put to memory, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight, tucked right in the heart of this stanza. But this poem here, introductory again, trying to pull you into, pull me into trusting God's wisdom, for our lives, which uh, is, again, a bit, we're going to say some similar things to things that we've already said, but the first, I just want to make a couple of observations about the invitation as we find it in Proverbs chapter three. And the first one is this, again, just really on the nose here, but, but the first observation I, I would like for you to consider with me is that God's wisdom in this passage, God's wisdom is for our good. And I just want to say that again that God's wisdom is is intended for our for our good for a, a kind of practical, real world, on the ground reality of of good in your life. I think sometimes faith and religion can, uh, particularly as we think about you know God and uh, that it it is it, a a separate thing over here sometimes uh, or it's kind of moralistic or pietistic kind of lives in this world. But we, we see here that as, as the writer of Proverbs pulls us into this invitation to consider God's wisdom, it's, he makes it clear from the get-go that wisdom is for our good. It's not arbitrary. It's not just so you can be a holier-than-thou kind of like person. That There, there is a, a boots-on-the-ground sort of lived place God's wisdom has real-world effect in your life. I think we see it in the structure, which this, this the beginning is just an example. But the, the whole poem, if you'll notice, was, was structured into a series of couplets. Uh, and each couplet uh, linked together uh, an invitation, a command to, to counsel, to consider some aspect of wisdom. It linked that invitation with, with an incentive. Right, so we see here in the first example, uh, to keep keep uh, pay attention. Keep my commandments uh, is the is the counsel, and then the incentive here is as a a consequent result of that will be years to your life and peace. Uh, The next couplet, verses three and four, is to live lives of of love and uh, steadfastness or, or, or or trustworthiness, and the consequent result of that in your life will be that people and God will be drawn to that Uh, which I think probably you probably know that the people you're drawn to in life or people are are, are drawn towards that kind of um, faithfulness and trustworthiness verses five and six to trust in the Lord with all of our heart not to rely on our own understanding but submit to his and then the consequent result of that would be a path through life that that in this the language here is straight but 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 the, the sense that, that there is purpose and direction and, and it's not meandering or or lost or wayward seven and eight uh, same another couplet uh, humility right to, to not to not uh, kind of just value your own establishments but to trust what God says about good and evil uh, and the consequent result of that is healing and health for life verses nine and 10 your first fruits and Bursting vats of wine, <laughs> uh, right? So the 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 call there is to be generous, to to not hold on to your possessions so tightly. And a consequent result of that is that the more we are generous with those things, the more we will have to be generous with. Not the more we will have to kind of like. <laughs> right? He's not filling our closets here. He's, he's filling the staples of our lives, like uh, in, in this culture, like right? food uh, and vats of, of wine, like uh, to, to, to then share with, with others. And then finally, um, it's just kind of a, a closing point, but in verses 11 and 12, a nuanced a little bit, but, but the call is to hold up under trouble and trial. Uh, and here in this moment, described at times, not always, but as the God kind of correcting and directing you. But, but a consequent result of perseverance in that space is an assurance of the, the truth that God loves you. Precisely at a moment where you may be inclined to question it. Right, so you see the structure here that, that attached to every invitation from wisdom is an incentive that it has like real world implication in your life. And and I think it's really straightforward, right? Just really straightforward. And sometimes I think a little, uh, again, it's a helpful moment for us to remember a point we've made earlier. Because I think sometimes we can read it, and it's so straightforward. We're like, well, this is a mathematic formula for my life. If I do one and two, it guarantees that I will experience three, right? Uh, and, and and I think again the point we made at the beginning of the series is that we remember that Proverbs is a part of a context of of literature in the Old Testament, all of the same type, right? All offering us wisdom for life. That Proverbs doesn't sit here alone; it sits here with Job. And it sits here with Ecclesiastes. And, and what that does to us as we hear this kind of thing is, is we hear that, okay, uh, God says there's a, a pattern to the world as I have made it. And if you will live within sort of my wisdom for you, there will be, there will be a felt a tangible effect in, in your life. But in context, we understand, man, there are exceptions. There is brokenness in the world. Uh, there is Job. And as we'll see uh, later in our passage, another exception worth considering this morning. But the point I simply want to make here at the beginning is that in, in the midst of all of that context, there is here the promise that the wisdom of God for you, whatever you may be facing, and we're all kind sort of pursuing wisdom in all kinds of places. The writer of Proverbs, the teacher kind of holds it forward to you and says, listen, consider God's wisdom. It's for your, it's for your good. Uh, but I, I want to make one more uh, observation that we'll consider. Not, not just that wisdom is for your good, but also that wisdom uh, in our reading is for your heart. Okay? I appreciate Curtis kind of making that point and Rachel uh, praying it as well, that the wisdom is not just for our good. Uh, interestingly here, and this to me is the tricky bit, right? This is the tricky bit. Wisdom is for our hearts. We see it in verse 1. Let, let your heart keep my commandments. Loving kindness and faithfulness in verse 3. Tie them around your heart. And then again, uh, verse 5, which is perhaps familiar. Trust in the Lord with all your... Right? Trust in the Lord with all your... Yeah. I won't do it again. <laughs> Here's what I think that says to me. Is, is that we want to think that wisdom is just a head thing. That, that it's sort of... We, we relegate it to the space of intellect that if we simply have the right information then obviously we'll make the right choices but to kind of approach wisdom that way and if that were the case there's really no need for God as well we kind of we got this truth we got this uh kind of this is the way it works it's a formula we plug it in it's just about having the right information piece of cake but but in the middle of that sort of simplicity we get this bit about the heart and the heart I think proverbs acknowledges here the heart is tricky it's tricky in this way, right information, right, it's, it's not just about having the right information, it's about something a bit deeper, and that deeper place is a little touch and go sometimes. For example, uh, one of my children was complaining of, of heel pain, right, she's kind of running around just awkwardly, uh, less awkwardly than that moment for me and you. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so we're like, is she okay? Maybe it's just growing pains. Did she hurt herself? And, of course, we took her to the doctor. And she's like, oh, sweet parents. But, no, you're like, let me, uh, you know, maybe, why don't you put hill cups? She doesn't need to do anything barefoot for a while. Put hill cups in her shoes, and it would be great. And you're like, okay, we got all the information we need. Uh, It's clear that if we sort of do this, I mean, this is an easy one plus one equals two. Wisdom is all over the place here. And so naturally, as a father, I repeatedly tell my child, put on your shoes, right? (sighs) Like playing out front, wants to be barefoot. I'm like, my my foot hurts. I'm like, well, (laughs) you know, uh, some wise man once said, right? right? Because the issue there is not the intellect. It's not sort of having the information. It's the it's the bent of, of the heart. Unless I'm accused of pointing the finger at others, I may or may not have had conversations with my wife recently. Uh, you know, where I heard wisdom, wisdom like you know, Matt, uh, you, you maybe just put the phone down for a little bit. It's a little distracting at dinner, and uh, you know, just and you know, wisdom like I I know that I know my mind knows that that is a wise decision that dinner will be more fun that i'll have uh, more uh, a better time with my children and my wife that they will uh, appreciate that moment more my head knows that knows wisdom my heart on the other hand wants desperately to know if Djokovic is going to win more Grand Slam trophies than Roger Federer, right? And Rafa Nadal, right? My heart wants to know, have there been any own goals in Euro 2020 soccer over the last uh, couple of days? My heart wants to know if that friend I haven't spoken to in years, if his dinner tonight is better than mine, right? That there's a a pool in my heart, right? A, A pool my head can know. My head knows she's right? right? All the time, <laughs> right? But my heart, my heart chafes against that, that voice of wisdom in my life because my heart is, is bent uh, to its own desires. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, why is it a heart issue? Because Because our hearts are prone to hear wisdom as judgment, as critique, because if it's a space in which we need to learn, well, then we have to admit we need to learn and we need to change. We know here, we know we need wisdom. We know it, intellect. Uh, yet at the same time, we have an aversion to it here at our hearts. I, I heard one uh, author, a psychologist, again, uh, in a non-Christian context, kind of talking about this pool of uh, our addiction to advice and at the same time, our aversion to it. And this is what he said. When you hear somebody say, you should do something, right? Whatever form that takes. Like, you should consider putting your phone down or you should wear your shoes. Whenever you hear that, the subtext behind it is, man, you're an idiot for not already doing it. (laughs) You you should know better than this. And I haven't said those exact words to my daughter, but I'm sure it's been in the tone. I'm like, "Ah, you know, we went to the doctor. Because the author continues nobody takes advice under those conditions and he stops short I think of the diagnosis that we find in Proverbs the reason is because the heart resists specifically the wisdom of God it's why in the very next chapter the writer of Proverbs will say keep your heart with all vigilance because from it flows life trust in the Lord with all your heart Man, yeah I know I know I know right I know we've referenced this I think before but it reminded me of uh, uh, I remember reading a commencement speech that David Foster Wallace gave at Kenyon College author has passed away uh, again not from a Christian context at all uh, but writes about the pull of, of the, It's not the language he uses but but he, the word he uses is worship Uh, But it's the language of the direction of your heart and and mine. And this is what he tells uh, this group of students setting off into the world. Again, mind you, we're outside of a Christian context. There's no such thing as not worshiping, he said. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what we worship. And then he makes the observation that among the things you worship, whatever you worship, it will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, right? If your heart, if you kind of follow your heart into this place, if you worship money and things, they are where you. If they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. You'll never feel like you have enough. It's the truth. He says, worship your own kind of uh, body and beauty and and, and, and uh, s- sexual allure. He says, worship those things, and you'll always feel ugly. And when time and age start uh, to, to work on you, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you in the ground. He says we know this stuff, right? We, we know this. You, we all we know this. The tricky thing he says is kind of keeping it in front. Uh, vigilance is the word the proverb writer uses. Worship power, David Foster Wallace wrote, or, or shared, he said, and you'll feel weak and afraid. And uh, again, I think we see this all over the place. You'll need ever more power over others to keep that fear at bay worship intellect being seen as smart and you'll end up feeling stupid or a fraud, always on the verge of being found out Uh, maybe you see yourself in one of those, maybe it's a category he didn't describe but I think it's not hard to feel the pull of the heart in any one of these directions and he uh, goes on and says this is our default setting the kind of worship our heart gradually slips into day after day He's a different language, but but he's pulling us into what what the proverb writer, I think, is showing to us, that the reason wisdom is not just for our good, but but a matter of your heart and mind, is because our hearts are aimed at worshiping something. They are. And God, in Proverbs 3, is wooing us. Aim it at me, he says. Which I think brings us to, to kind of one more a final kind of observation in closing, and this is a point we've made a number of times already over the last couple of weeks. I think it brings us back to where we started. Uh, that that what, 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 what Proverbs in the language of heart here in chapter three uh, it says to us again is is that uh, the issue is, is again not just knowing; it's it's an ailing and broken heart. Which I think says to you and to me that the cure for an ailing heart is not good advice. We don't just need good advice. Our hearts are broken, if you will. And what we need in that space is not just good counsel and advice. What we need is good news. What we need is good news. Which I think brings us to where I want to invite you to consider Proverbs 3 lands this morning. The good news that our wandering hearts, ailing, broken, misguided, wandering hearts, find their home in the faithful heart of Jesus Christ. Right? The, the truth of the gospel here is that it's not on you or me to sort of like muster up the wisdom of Proverbs. Our hearts are helplessly broken and bent towards self-assurance and any manner of other things we aim at for, for life and goodness. Uh, The hope we need in in there is not just good advice, but the good news that because of the faithful heart of Jesus Christ, our hearts find a new home. Uh, St. Augustine, the early church father, put it this way, a phrase perhaps familiar to many of you, that our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. I want to, again, pull you into the picture we started with. Uh, some have observed that sort of the, the, the couplets we read here are kind of themes that are going to show up all the way through the rest of Proverbs, okay? Themes like uh, listening to God's word, or that, you know, submitting to his word, instructions of listening to God's word, uh, steadfast love and faithfulness, this, this kind of gracious response to the world, um, humility, right? Kind of this, this in our passage again. This don't rely on your own strength, but this kind of humility, A generosity. We saw there giving your first fruits. Okay, so we we said listening to God's voice, uh, gracious and steadfast love and faithfulness. Relying, uh, or, or rather, humility and generosity, and then that last sort of couplet of uh, perseverance even under trial. All of these, I think, are qualities. A point we made a couple of weeks ago, an invitation to read Proverbs with an eye towards Jesus. That when Jesus shows up and in Matthew's gospel is identified as the wisdom of God walking in the world, right? The very personification, incarnation of wisdom, not just personified like, like wisdom is in Proverbs, but now in the flesh, walking among you and me, that when he shows up, he is in that moment, faithfulness that is steadfast and gracious He is, as we see over and over again in the gospel, saturated in God's word, always attentive and listening for the voice of God in his life. He is, as Matthew describes him, humble, gentle, and lowly. Come to him, he says, and find rest. Paul tells us he is generous, that that he didn't, uh, though rich, he became uh, poor. And then we know that he bore his suffering uh, faithfully without complaint and and the implication here is that that all of the qualities we see in Proverbs 3 find their greatest expression in Jesus on your behalf and mine. That The the answer to your ailing heart and my um, roving heart as the old hymn goes, the answer to my roving heart is not just good advice. What, what will keep my heart from idolatry, from self sufficiency, from arrogance, from all the other places I will go to prove my worth and righteousness, from all of those things? What, the, the cure for that pull in my heart and yours is Jesus, the one who is all of those things on your behalf and, and mine. And it's, it's, it's only by resting in what He has done, in His grace that all of these qualities begin to find greater expression in my life. One other observation, excuse me, one other nod to to Jesus is in verses 3 and 4. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Again, man, qualities that are thrown and described, uh, used to describe God all throughout Scripture. Um, He says, when you bind these things around your heart, you'll find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. We bump into that phrase a bit later in the story of scripture. Luke's gospel, chapter two, talking about Jesus, wisdom in the flesh. Luke will tell us that as Jesus grew, as he grew, wisdom in the flesh, feet on, walking around the world, that as he grew, he grew in favor with God and man. that that when steadfast love and faithfulness finally show up, like the same language here, that when wisdom shows up and starts to walk around the world, it comes to us in the person of Jesus and he himself lives what Proverbs 3 invites all of us into. Wisdom. Wisdom is a heart issue, the writer says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's, it's, It's a heart issue before it's a head issue that it flows from a heart at rest in God's grace to you and me this morning, which again, I think speaks to that place. Maybe you're here, right? As you consider faith and Jesus and your own experience, Man, we want to make the assumption, you know, if God just told us exactly what to do, that we would do it. Well, you know, again, I point to my daughter, but not to myself, (laughs) Um, right? But but to, to just to buy into that ignores the human story, of history that our hearts are rebellious, broken, constantly bent on controlling what is out of our ability to control. We want to say wisdom, you may know, if you just know the difference between right and wrong, but uh, Proverbs 3 and Jesus respond to that. Say, well, no, our hearts are helplessly, rebelliously broken, and yet the gospel says, rather than expecting you to always choose wisely, Jesus says, I will choose you. I will recognize your inability. I, I will recognize your rebel heart that makes wise choices so difficult for you. And I will mercifully, I will mercifully look on you and offer my own faithful heart in its place. Jesus says, I didn't come to give the world advice. I came to save it. I came to save it. I'll give you uh, one more bit of fatherly advice this morning. I asked my dad if he had, uh, if he had you know, uh, imbibed any fatherly wisdom from his father uh, over the years, as earlier in the week. And dad said to me, again, if I'm wrong, you can see the source. Uh, if you don't say it, you never have to take it back. Right? I'm noticing a theme, dad. If you don't say it, you never have to take it back. My first response was like, I've never heard you say that. And, uh, uh my, yeah. my second thought, my second was, my second thought was, ah, oh, my family's communication habits make a lot more sense to me, <laughs> okay. but it got me thinking, uh, at the risk of being overly sentimental. It got me thinking about some advice, Dad, that you have uh, that has sort of found a home in my life. And I don't know exactly, it's only recently, the last few years, that I think I've, I've recognized it as the gospel. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know quite how it came uh, out. I know how I have, like, internalized it. It was some variation of, uh, of this, right? Perhaps you've heard it. This was not unique to Dad. It's, by any stretch, but, uh, but some variation. I saw it expressed in the way he treated my friends. I saw it expressed in the way he treated us as a family, uh, but, but some variation of but for the grace of God, there go I, right? that apart from God's grace, what? And I have internalized it, I think, over the years in, in a number of ways, and I, I don't think I, I really sort of understood. I mean, it's Proverbs 3, that my heart is as wayward as the next person's. And that it is only because of the faithful heart of Jesus Christ that I know the life and good fruit that wisdom, God's wisdom, wants to work. That that, that it was a nudge for me. All those years, a nudge for me, and what I hope is a nudge for you this morning toward the gospel. Good news, not good advice. Good news. That God's grace in the steadfast and faithful heart of another on my and your behalf Makes all the difference. I want to invite you guys to stand with me. We're going to close with a song. We're going to close with a song this morning that pulls us into the mercy of Jesus. And I would invite you, whatever you, um, as you consider your own heart and all the things you may be trusting, I would invite you, uh, I'd invite you to consider the invitation from wisdom today to trust the faithful heart and work. Of another. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.